This is a Crib Room podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Crib Room podcast produced by Industry Link Media. This is a three-part podcast series where we are hovering across the surface emergency response competition held recently at the Norton Goldfields Paddington operation across the first weekend of May. That was over May 5, 6 and 7. We talked to some big names of the mines emergency response industry around not only Calgary Boulder but also across the state as well. Joining us in our first episode to look at the event before it all happens and to shape up the next couple of parts, we welcome along Doc or Craig Neeson. He's the Superintendent for Health and Safety at Evolutions Monday. Gari operations. Carly Andreski is the competition coordinator from the Mines Rescue Committee and Reuben Campbell is the superintendent for safety, emergency services and security with Newcrest. However, he is the deputy chair of the Mines Emergency Response Competition as well. We welcome our first three guests into the Crib Room podcast. This is part A. Part A will focus on all of the events that happen pre the competition. Part B will be as we are on site during one of the scenarios and part C is a bit of a wrap up of the 2023 surface emergency response competition. Thanks to the Chamber of Minerals and Energy, we really appreciate the opportunity to bring you this three-part series via Industry Link Media. Our first guest is the Superintendent for Health and Safety with Evolution Mungari Operations, Craig Neeson. This is a Crib Room podcast. Craig, tell us about your previous experience with mines emergency response competitions. Uh, yeah, look, I've, I've been involved in, um, in the mine rescue community for a little bit more than 20 years now. Um, first started back in the, um, uh, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s uh, with Western Mining as an emergency response uh, team member. Uh, uh, and then later on, an emergency response team leader. Uh, we, you know, back then we had involvement with, um, with FISA, which is now DFIS. Uh, we ran the, the, the volunteer fire brigade, we ran volunteer St John. Uh, and that just evolved into uh, leaving mining and, and working in full-time emergency management roles. Uh, eventually that led into sort of training and consulting. Uh, and in my current role now at Evolution, um, uh, emergency management uh, falls within my portfolio of health and safety. Back, oh yeah, I'm just going to go off script here for a little bit, mate, because I know we've got some questions lined up, but here's some ones for you. Um, how did you get involved in emergency response on site? Yeah, it's um, probably the same way that most people do. So there would have been uh, like-minded um, people on site, emergency response leaders, trainers, ER coordinators, um, uh, that, that, that will approach people and say, hey, I think you're the right person for the team. Um, and it was exactly the same in my case, approached by the ER coordinator, uh, asked if I was interested. Um, I went along to see what it was all about. And uh, yeah, next thing you know, I was, I was fully involved. I was in love with it. And yeah. taking on that leadership role, mate, obviously that's something that you aspired to as well and you, you felt that it was a good fit for you and you moved into that role? Yeah, I did. Um, it, it, it's definitely one of those um, parts of the industry that's driven by passion. And, and, um, and once that takes hold, it's a, probably a pretty common story that people then start to sort of gravitate to those sorts of roles, yeah. yeah. From your emergency response um, Responding, I suppose, on site. Any incidents that you turned out to, or is there uh, yeah. any occasions that you were there for? Yeah, look, um, particularly in those earlier days. Look, the 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 industry has come a long way. If you if you look at if you look at incidents that were happening in the 80s and in the 90s, uh, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, they're all the incidents that shaped the Mine um, Safety Inspection Act um, and had a massive impact on legislation, not just in WA but across the across the country. Uh, and there was significant changes in health and safety. So the reality is today we don't have as many incidents happening and certainly when they do, they're, um, they're certainly brought under control a lot more quickly. Definitely a lot more in the earlier days than we'd see right now. From those uh, early days of the, the rescue comps, what did that teach you taking that information back to site? 
look, um, the 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 experiences gained through the preparation for the competition and the competition itself are absolutely critical to the development of mine rescue team. So back then it was absolutely crucial. I can tell you right now, the very first time I needed to roll out a hose in anger, um, I knew what to do. If it hadn't been for the experience gained at mine rescue competitions, I likely wouldn't have had the confidence to do it um, without even thinking about it. And so, yeah, definitely those competitions play a massive role in the development of mine rescue skills. What sort of preparation goes into an event for this weekend? Yeah, um, that's a yeah, really good question. And it, it, there'll be some similarities. There'll be something different at every operation. Each company will have a different philosophy. But look, some of the, some of the common themes are going to be um, making sure that we have the right people for the team. And what that means is, who are the people that we need to develop so that they can then go on and fill those leadership roles and takes the take the next contingent of, of our team members um, through that experience. Um, we, you know, we link up with the right training providers. We make sure we get the right training. Um, uh, and that, that preparation in the lead-up to the competition is going to be a combination of probably some people learning some things. It's definitely going to involve honing skills that people have had for some time and really pulling together a team so that they just mesh uh, as a you know, as a as a really closely knit team. What's the anticipation like? Like today is almost the eve of the grand final. Really, I know that there's some theory that goes on uh, later today before we get the competition officially underway tomorrow. But what's that anticipation like? Is it like you can't sleep? You you just want to put all these skills yeah. to the test? Yeah. Look, I think I think right now we've probably got a bunch of teams that are that are either on site. Um, loading up trailers with equipment or they're on site picking up trailers they loaded up last night or they're waking up in their hotels you know with a bit of a, a bit of relaxation um, they likely finished their the key part of their preparation yesterday uh, and now there's a little bit of downtime bit of relaxation um, there'll be some excitement tonight and it's going to be lots of lots of fun lots of laughing lots of joking around um, and maybe a little bit of trash talk tomorrow morning is where the nerves are going to kick in so the, tomorrow morning, the first couple of events, these teams are going to be dusting off the cobwebs, so to speak. Uh, but by the time we get into Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, it, they, they're going to be in the swing of things, they're going to be in the zone, and they're going to be performing at their best. Tell us a little bit about Evolution Mining at the moment, because you've teamed up with, a, uh, with another company that are close to Calgary Boulder and FMR as well. So tell us a little bit about how the Evolution team has prepared for this event. This year round, we've done something that we haven't done for a little while, and we've, we've put in a mutual, mutual aid team. So it consists of members from the Evolution Mining uh, emergency response team uh, and a couple of members from FMR Investments. Um, uh, look, they've gone through a, around about 10 days of pre-competition training and, and preparation um, with, their, uh, with the training providers that we use. They're a very green team, very inexperienced team. Look, one of the philosophies that we have and most teams do have is that we want to bring in a green team as often as we can so that we're constantly developing people. We definitely want to get... We don't want to have the same captain year in, year out. We want to... We want this year's captain to pass the mantle next year, um, and and then really help help sort of you know develop that team. So look, they're 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 looking pretty good. They're um, uh, they're as prepared as they need to be, and they're gonna they're gonna learn a lot from this competition. Does that embrace, I suppose, collaboration from a mindset point of view? Because you'd like to think, should a an incident happen on a mine site, heaven forbid that it does, that you've got the opportunity to draw on other resources? Yeah, look, that's, um, that's a, a really good question. The answer to that is absolutely. The, the whole point of that mutual aid um, training and that and, and mutual team and, and building those relationships is in the event that something big does happen in the region, the operation that it happens at are not going to deal with it alone. 
they're going to call on all of their mutual aid partners to come and assist. So the benefits we get from this is we, we're all dancing to the beat of the same drum with our teams on the fire ground. We are building relationships with the key contacts on site when we need to make those calls and ask for help. Um, and it's just strengthening the industry across the board. Craig, what was your favourite event when you were competing? You're the MC this weekend, Ooh. so you get to stare back and watch everything else happen, mate. But there's about seven to eight different scenarios, yeah. maybe even a little bit more. So what's your favourite? Is it putting the hot stuff on the or the wet stuff on the hot stuff? Is it, uh, I suppose, a bit of IMT? Is it some road crash rescue? Mm, yeah, look, I'd, I'd probably have to... Uh I would probably have to lean towards road crash rescue, and I'll tell you why. There's, it's, it's an event where every single team member is equally hands-on with everything. There's a lot of activity going on, and from a team leader's perspective, there's a lot of hazards to manage continuously throughout the event. If we're dealing with a fire scenario, our initial actions on arrival at the fire ground take care of most of the hazards, and then we're dealing with the hot stuff. Every single time a team member puts a set of extrication tools on a vehicle, we're creating a major hazard for every single person and everyone needs to be switched on. So as a team leader, you really need to be on to managing your team and looking out for your team. Carly Andreski and I'm the competition coordinator for the Mind Rescue Committee. Carly, tell us about what happens over the three days. It all starts, I guess, this afternoon as we start to link all of the teams up and we go through the theory components of the big competition. Yeah, so all the teams are at site now and they're, you know, setting up their little home base for the weekend for them. Um, then they head over to me. We have um, all our fantastic sponsors. We have a massive sponsors expo so the teams can come and network with all their sponsors. They get to say hi, have a little chat. We, th we try and throw in a theory question at each sponsor stall to make them go say hey. Yep. Um, so there's a little sneaky question thrown in here and there for them. Head off to their theory event, which... Um, pretty intense, I think it's 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes for them. Then they get to relax. We go and do our site inductions and have a chat with, you know, like our welcome evening sponsor and then... Then I feed them and give them one or two mid-strength beers. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Doing it responsibly, which is always good to see because it's, the next couple of days is quite uh, quite a lot that goes on, doesn't it? It's a, it's a very intense two, very two days. Very full on, very intense. Um, I think some of our event teams... Um, I heard mentioned at some of the committee meetings they're starting at like 4.30, 4 o'clock just to get their event started tomorrow and Sunday, so that's pretty intense. Then, yeah, pretty sure the teams head there about 5.36, um, ready for the first event, kicks off at 6.30 for them. Now, you've been part of last year's event and this year's event. Have you found that um, the, the passion that comes from the emergency response teams is just something that, that is phenomenal and their enthusiasm that goes across, obviously, the competition and then back to site is just is just so infectious it's it's amazing like I only learnt last year that a lot of these teams or a lot of these people's in the teams aren't actually involved in the emergency response side of things on site you know we have a lot of you know underground service crew and they've come up and are a part of the surface team which is amazing there's a lot of truck drivers and geologists so to see them want to do this and just how hard they work over the next two days. The passion's amazing. Like it's, and it's so nice to see that they're doing something they love, which is to help people. I'm, I'm sure all of them have something that they want to pursue in this field, which yep. is why they do it. They work so hard over the next two days. You like to say it's all for the trophy at the end and... They do it for fun, they do it because it's their passion, it's what they enjoy. Really rewarding, I mean, if you ever had to do this in real life, 
That's something. Tell us about what the teams will get out of it. Obviously, you mentioned there, you know, that's what they get out of going back to site, but they also get so much more out of it personally. Um, and heaven forbid they are in a situation where their skills that they've learnt through preparing for the competition or being in the competition are put to the test when they might be driving on some downtime, you know, going up to Calbarry or they're going to Bustleton or Bunbury or somewhere along those sorts of lines that their real-life skills are now being used. I would hope that none of them have to use them. It's such a training experience for them as well. Like, and a lot of the teams that we've got coming through are called green teams. Um, so they, they are so new and they are learning. And even the two weeks, these guys started training I want to say 14 days ago, at least, some of them even longer. So they've been putting in the hard yards for the last 14 days. So it's not even just this weekend. They've worked so hard over the last, I want to say, month. Just to spend two days in those hard scenarios, I can't even, I don't, can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Well, it's funny because, you know, you, you've got eight or not so different exercises to go through, but you would never really go through that in a 24-hour period heaven forbid, on a mind site, wouldn't you? You wouldn't no. go through using all of your skill sets over that sort of period. No, and they're so different. Like, you know, you've got vehicle crash, you've got first aid. Um, there is a first aid component too, majority of them. But, you know, then you've got like a rope rescue. You've got, heaven forbid, confined space. Like, I pray, I really hope that that never happens and I really hope that these teams never have to go through that. At least if they were to witness anything like that, they've got the basic skills and knowledge. I can't imagine the the pride that they get out of learning all of this. Carly, thanks very much for catching up with us. We'll do that again post-event where we can get a list of those sponsors. We can talk about some of those winners and, and how the weekend's gone. Really appreciate you jumping onto the Crib Room podcast to be able to, to share your experience. Thanks, Glennie. Loved it. Reuben Campbell, one of the Deputy Chairs and Chief Adjudicator for the Kalgoorlie Mine Emergency Response Competition. Reuben, tell us a little bit about your background in emergency response. So I got first got involved um, with emergency response uh, in the mid-2000s working as an underground miner um, and became involved uh, with as an emergency response team member before stepping initially into a professional emergency services role uh, and have uh, since, since about, that would be 2006-ish, um, have then spent a number of different roles both as... Uh, an emergency services officer, emergency services coordinator um, and uh, have been in a number of leadership roles and are now working as an emergency services uh, superintendent for a, an operation in the northern half of WA. We've spoken earlier to, to Craig and also to Carly. Does it become infectious being involved in emergency response? Absolutely. Uh, I think for me, I... My first exposure to it was in about 2000, I was working underground uh, at another operation and I saw the emergency response team uh, doing some rope activities off the side of the mill and I immediately saw that and went, I want to be a part of that. And I, I couldn't be part of the team at that point, uh, but the first opportunity I could, I jumped on board and have never looked back. It's uh, the... Initially, you're usually attracted to what appears to be the excitement of the activity, mm -hmm. uh, but you very quickly learn that there's so much more to it than that. There's the, the, the camaraderie that goes with the team. Um, and then beyond that, it's the realisation that you can provide a service to others that no one else can when people most need it. 
uh, and that is what really drives me and just keeps me interested, even after all of these years. Now, you are one of four chief adjudicators and you have each of the scenario adjudicators come back to you and, and represent that sort of way. Just give us a bit of an overview of the weekend because we have many disciplines that are tested for our emergency response teams. Look, absolutely. There's a broad range uh, of skills that are covered um, and so... The, each of the teams, each of the team event managers, uh, they prepare and manage the information and you know, develop the, the events. Of course, the, they provide that information, comes back to us as a chief adjudicator. We provide that checks and balances uh, so that the events are designed in such a way that they're achievable for the teams, that they're uh, judging them fairly, uh, and that uh, they're going to get some educational learnings. Because ultimately, whilst... Certainly we're here as a competition and there is marking and there are awards. Ultimately the drive is to develop education and develop the next round of junior team members because some of these people have only been with emergency response for a short period of time and this is a really good opportunity for them to learn and develop in that skill set that I had as a, as a team member many years ago. Question without notice, some of those scenarios that you've been involved in in the past, can you just think of any that come to mind where you go, whoa, wow, this is, this is pretty spectacular but I've got a job to do here? Look, pro- look there's, I could probably give you a dozen, but look, certainly one that stuck out in my mind was actually a mass casualty event in an underground competition um, that was actually based on a real-life event uh, where uh, a number of charge crew operators were um, at, the, at a heading when it went off unintentionally, and the, obviously there are significant injuries associated with explosives. Um, and that was quite, for me, uh, as a, a confronting event, um, but also... I look back at it now as one of my most uh, enthralling, um, just understanding the consequence and the power associated with that sort of an event. I don't think you necessarily fully realise. Um, it was very well established, very well done, simulated well. Um, and look, I, I recall as a team, I, I think I recall doing okay. <laughs> I don't think we won the event, uh, but I certainly come remember coming away from that thinking, wow, that is... Uh, super cool, but also um, a grounding, realising that these are things that we need to train for. These are things that can happen, and they have happened in the past. Skill sets required to be involved in emergency response. Uh, we've heard before from, from Craig at the start of the podcast, not many really. You can go in there pretty green because you do a lot of preparation before the event, but is there any particular skills that you believe that make a really good ER person before they get to an ER point? Look, um, uh, look. Perhaps I'm biased a little bit, but I, I'm a big believer in recognizing that uh, the the sole, effectively, in my mind, one of the key drivers why emergency response teams have to respond is because people are in trouble. That's what we're there for. You know, if if the if the mill's burning to the ground, but there's no one in trouble we've got a bit more time. You know, yeah, sure, we've got to protect assets, but it's all about people at the end of the day. And um, as long as team members have a keen focus on looking after people, because that's what we're there for, looking after people who are in their moment of crisis, um, and, and even though looking back on each each time, you might not, they, they may think of that it wasn't as bad as it potentially was. Mm-hmm. At that point in time in their life, it is an absolute moment of crisis and it's our service to them that makes the difference. Uh, so key skills for team members would be um, the desire to help others and be selfless in that act. 
the aim of the competition. Um, you, you're the deputy chair of the Mines Emergency Response Competition. What is the aim of the competition once everything's all done and dusted on Sunday night? Look, um, in my mind, um, it's education. That's what we're trying to achieve here. Look, trophies and, and gold medals and, you know, claps on the back and, you know, spending time with, with people with a similar mindset is great and is really important because it helps you to develop your horizons. But at the end of the day, it's education. We want these people to come away from this having the opportunity to participate in realistic, well-developed, um, streamlined scenarios that really put the squeeze on them um, to make them understand what they're already good at and then for them to go, eh, that's the gap in our skill set, let's go back and practice that so that we come back next time more polished, more streamlined and more effective to support our colleagues and our people at our operations. You've done well to catch up with us before the event. You've had about two hours sleep to get there. Now, just before you do go, being one of four chief adjudicators, in my mind, not having seen the role that you've done previously, I can think of white coat, clipboard and maybe a pencil, red pen or a sharpie, mate. What's your writing tool of choice when you're adjudicating? Oh, for me, um, I'll have to be honest, I'm a pencil kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> you look like a pencil. I don't mean any disrespect. <laughs> By that whatsoever, but you look like a pencil man who would probably have a pacer rather than a pencil. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm too lazy for a sharpener, and I change my mind too much during adjudication to have a pen um, because uh, you know you've you've got to be on your toes because uh, as an adjudicator, uh, when you're marking a specific event, you've got to watch the people like hawks because they're doing their thing, and if you're not watching, um, you'll miss stuff. If it's any consolation, mate, I'm a 0.7 HB uh, paper, mate, man. But anyway. (laughs) Fair call. (laughs) Hey, Ruben, thanks for catching up with this pre-event. Wrapping up our first episode because over the next couple of days we're going to catch up with you at various different stages that will all be released into the podcast. But, mate, thank you very much for making some time for us and all the very best of luck with the event out at Paddington this weekend. No, thank you very much. Appreciate your time too. This is a Crib Room podcast. Thanks again to our guests who joined us as part of our first episode, part A. That is Craig Neeson, the Health and Safety Superintendent for Evolution Mungari Operations. Carly Andreski, who's the Competition Coordinator with Mines Rescue Competitions. And also Ruben Campbell, who's the Superintendent of Safety, Emergency Services and Security with Newcrest. He's also the Deputy Chair of Merck as well. Coming up, episode two will drop very, very soon for you. Here's a little sneak peek of what's coming up in the next episode. It's still quite a realistic thing. We've had teams in Cambalda still attend fatalities. There was teams in the Pilbara attending a fatality. Um, and, you know, every week the Kalgoorlie Hospital sees someone from a mine site turning up with some sort of injury. So the value of what we, we do and, the, and what we actually give um, back to the companies that we work for um, and the families and the, and the people that, that, uh, that work here Um, there's a lot of value and I think these days it's very easy to lose sight of that. That is part two, which will focus on looking at a scenario as part of the emergency response competition as we were on site there, but also some really compelling interviews as well. That'll drop for you very soon. Keep your eye out for that one. Subscribe to the Industry Link Media Crib Room podcast to ensure that you are kept up to date as soon as that episode drops. Thanks very much for joining us here on the Crib Room Podcast. We are produced by Industry Link Media. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com.